Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. You know, the pandemic sent a lot of people home to work and gave rise to concerns about data we were suddenly dealing with and dealing with less security and all that. Um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine also raised awareness of the vulnerability of our data and systems. My guest today is one of this country's foremost cybersecurity authorities. Sai Huda is the CEO of CyberCatch. He helped author this country's national standards for small and medium-sized businesses, arguably the ones that are most susceptible to problems. And he has a deep background in guiding firms in the increasingly important sector for our economy. In recent weeks, he's developed actually a partnership with the Surrey Board of Trade on cyber risks. He joins me now. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Honored to be with you. Yeah, listen, you helped author these new national cybersecurity standards in Canada. So tell, tell me a little bit, and and you'll probably have to slow down and 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 put it into layman's language. But uh, you know, what does it prescribe? What does it what does it guide here? Thank you. Absolutely, had the privilege of working with the CIO Strategy Council. That's the body that's authorized by the Standards Council of Canada to create national standards to create the new cybersecurity standard. It's called CAN CIOSC 104. Baseline mm-hmm. cybersecurity controls for small and medium organizations. So it's really focused on small uh, and medium organizations that are defined as less than 500 employee size organizations. And there's 1.2 million of them in Canada. They're yeah. the growth engine of our economy. Uh, they create more jobs. And so we need to really make sure they're secure and safe and being able to be successful in, in the digital world. So that's what the standard is intended to do is prescribe specific controls that these uh, small and medium-sized organizations can implement. There are uh, two levels. So level one is for uh, very small organizations uh, and they're uh, recommended to implement 22 controls. And for other organizations that are more typical small and medium-sized, if you will, uh, should implement 33 more controls. So a total of 55 controls is what's prescribed. Can can you help me understand it, uh, when when you're establishing a standard, are you establishing a baseline um, to the, the you know everything needs to exceed it, or in the in the case of developing a new standard, are you trying to bring uh, the pack up to that standard? What what's the the bigger uh, activity in this? Great question. Uh, the standard is sort of in between uh, a best practice and a law or regulation. So mm-hmm. best practices, a practice that you know, everyone should do because it's uh, been you know, evident, it works, uh, a lot of people are doing it. Um, and it's sort of like you know, uh, an informal standard, if you will. Uh, a law or regulation, of course, is statutory where uh, you know, it's been established as the law of the land or required by regulation to implement the law and it's gonna be enforced with penalties. Standard is in between where the government of Canada through Seattle Strategy Council is saying that these are the 55 cybersecurity controls that you really should implement now. So we know that you're behind for a variety of reasons. And so now let's lay out these controls that we have seen to be effective. So please step up um, and implement these for your own safety and for the country's security. And uh, it's really, a, in a way, uh, you know, inspiration, but also a bit of a warning shot because it's saying to especially small and medium-sized organizations, you are vulnerable. Uh, here's a way to get better security 
So please, you know, do it upon yourself to take the initiative to do it. Because if you don't, then we'll continue to see these data breaches, ransomware attacks, and we're going to have to then essentially come up with a law with penalties. Um, so, you know, let's all get together as one nation. Let's be proactive and be secure and safe and make the country safe. So it's a combination of inspiration, but also a bit of a warning shot to say, you know, let's yeah. do it. Otherwise, we'll have to really force it down everybody's throat, which we don't want to really do. Exactly. I'm, I'm, um, I'm intrigued, however. I mean, is it, is it a matter of um, the small and medium-sized businesses just not necessarily being attacked because they are small and medium-sized businesses, that the, the hackers, the real cyber criminals, are the ones after the big fish, you know, the, the large companies and really take a system down and, and really disrupt the flow of data. Have, have we kind of worked ourselves into a situation where we're not paying the kind of close attention to these medium size and certainly the smaller businesses and and essentially the the large impact on our economy, our economic activity when we don't pay attention to the, to the little guys? Absolutely. That's a great observation. Um, there's, you know, uh, some lack of attention and also some complacency, if you will. Uh, the small to medium organizations think they're too small to be attacked. Uh, they're not mm -hmm. going to be a high value target. And uh, so there's a little bit of complacency there, but also lack of knowledge. You know, uh, they're trying to just, you know, uh, survive and grow and thrive, and especially digitally, um, especially with the pandemic and everything. And so, you know, they don't know about cybersecurity. Uh, they just want to get a website up, you know, get their products and services sold, deal with consumers, you know, via email and uh, online, you know, work from home. I just want to get, you know, moving with their lives. So they don't really understand the fact that once you're on the internet and use email, you are a target. And also, even though you may be small and medium-sized, doesn't mean that you're not going to be attacked. In fact, uh, the attacks are happening and increasingly alarming uh, where it is the small and medium size that are being targeted because not only is there a greater impact on them because they don't know how to react or respond uh, or be resilient to a cyber attack uh, and a lot of them fail from a cyber attack or it takes them a long time and costs them a lot of money so they end up paying a ransomware to the gang um, to get up to speed but also they're frequently the entry point for the bigger guys because right well, in the organizations, most of them are supply chain critical providers. They're supplying different products and services to larger organizations. And so if they're attacked, they're compromised, you know, it's really not necessarily them a lot of times, it's to use them to get into the big guys. So the big guys really need to make sure that their suppliers are compliant with the standard and are secure, and the little guys need to be proactive. Um, otherwise, frankly, uh, they could be shut down. CyberCatch did a blind survey recently of 1,200 small to mid-sized businesses. And what we found was 30% didn't even have an incident response plan. So if wow. an incident happened, they really wouldn't know what to do because they don't even have a plan. But what was more alarming was 75% said that they would only survive three to seven days from a ransomware attack. So that's very alarming and significant. Um, yeah, no kidding. It it, uh, you know, what I um, in talking to small businesses uh, in particular over the last number of years uh, in this role, um, you know, many of them have confided that they're absolutely terrified of being taken down, but they also say, you know, I don't, I don't have the resources, um, and I'm, I'm worried that I have to 
hire a batch of people to look after this. It, it, is anything becoming easier on the other side of this, you know, as a business where it's not a profound expense, it doesn't take you off your, especially if you're trying to build some revenue and, and this is coming, you know, as a, as a large expense. Are, are, the, are the economic factors becoming a little bit more accessible? Yes, absolutely. And um, that's where CyberCatch partnered with the CIO Strategy Council who created the standard to together jointly offer our solution called CAN CIOC 104 Compliance Manager. It's a cloud-based solution, um, very easy to use, and we've specifically designed it for the small and medium-sized organizations, knowing that they have limited resources and don't have a huge budget, um, and they've got to be able to get secure you know, very quickly and easily. So the solution, first of all, helps implement those 22 controls or the total of 55 controls, depending on the size of the organization. Um, mm -hmm. There's a tool that enables capturing what controls you have today. And then we have a team of cybersecurity experts that walks the business through what controls they additionally need. And then those experts provide them with guidance. Could be a policy they need, could be a procedure they need, could be a technical control they need. And we recommend what's cost-effective or free. A lot of the tools are free that can be used by the small to medium-sized organization. So that's what we do, first of all, get those controls implemented. And then automatically the system then tests those controls three ways. So they'll send phishing emails to the employees to see if you can fool them, just like an attacker would. And if you fool mm -hmm. them, we'll alert them and we'll alert the business to say, hey, you better talk to your employees. They got fooled. If this was a real deal, you'd be in trouble. That's one. Um, then the uh, system also scans anything that's internet facing of the small business. So internet facing websites, uh, web servers, assets, looking for vulnerabilities. We find vulnerabilities, we alert the business, and then our experts again guide them to help resolve those vulnerabilities. The third thing is there's an agent that goes inside the network and tests controls, like it does brute force tests, just like an attacker would. And then we alert the business and we help again fix those control failures. So that this way, we help them implement the controls and then continuously test so that they stay compliant and secure. If there's any holes, we fix them before the attackers can exploit them. That's how we are able to provide this continuous compliance and security to small businesses. Is it, uh, is it relatively affordable, though, Simon? Yes, it is. It's based on the size of the organization. So huh. anywhere from uh, you know, 20 plus employees, 50 plus employees, all the way to you know, up to 500 employees. So we're specifically designed it where it's 500 or less employees or less than 500 employees. And we have based it just on the size of the employees. They only pay one fee. That's it. Um, it's, you know, it's frankly the price of, you know, one or two laptops. That's all the price they pay for that. They get the controls and they get security, constant monitoring. Yeah. You mentioned earlier uh, the idea that you know, sometimes the attackers come after the little guy, so to speak, in order to get at the big guy. Um, are we entering a, uh, an era, you think, where uh, uh, the big guys just won't do business with the little guys if they don't comply, if they don't have standards like this? Yes, uh, that's a great point. That's where we're evolving to uh, because the larger you know, players are realizing how critical their supply chain is and comprises of small to mid-sized organizations. So the standard is a good way now for the big guys to be able to tell the little guys, look, um, don't listen to me because what I say to you might be different from somebody else. Um, here is the government of Canada through CIO Strategy Council saying, these are the 55 controls that everyone in Canada should have that's less than 500 employees. 
So it's a uniform, consistent approach. And that way, don't listen to me, go implement the standard. And therefore, you'll be secure, and then we'll be secure. So that is what's starting to happen now. And we see that happening across Canada. Um, and, and it's a good way because then now it's uniform. You know, it's not patchwork. Uh, some business has 30, some business has 20 controls. Some big guy tells somebody to put in 85 controls. You know, uh, Somebody says, no, 20 controls. So the standard is now start saying to say, no, 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 no more of that back and forth ambiguity. Uh, let's be clear. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what would be the right level of controls. Um, and you know, this was based on a lot of research, looking at other standards, like in the US, there's NIST 800171. Um, and we came up with these 55 because this is a baseline. So what we're saying is this minimally should implement. Uh, you know, if you're a little bit more risky from a cyber risk profile, you should probably implement a little bit more. And if you're very small, then start with the 22. Uh, but if you're small to midsize, you need to have the 55. So I think it's a really great leadership. And frankly, this is the first standard of its kind in the world for oh, small yeah. size organizations. So yeah. it's really terrific that Canada is taking a leadership position and we see other countries emulating Canada in the future. And Canada is now a big target, especially with the Russia-Ukraine aggression going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because of our outspokenness about this conflict, obviously it makes you uh, uh, quite the target. I, I want to get to that in a second, but I want to stay with that one point about government. And it's, I was at a conference recently on tourism and hospitality, and the federal minister is responsible for it, really was encouraging everybody in the room to sign up. Sign up, get on, get on with registering and, and bring yourself into participation with this because the government actually has some funding for small businesses and medium-sized businesses, doesn't it, right now? Yes, absolutely. Um, the government has subsidies. Um, there's innovation centers around Canada. Um, and mm -hmm. we're actually going to put up a list uh, and make it publicly available because it's not well known. Uh, but absolutely, great point. So a small to mid-sized business who signs up uh, can actually get uh, some of the investment back, absolutely, which reduces yeah. the cost further. Um, but it's really just you know for uh, survival, frankly, and success. Because if yeah. you email, you are vulnerable. If you have a website, you're vulnerable. And so which small to mid-sized business doesn't use email and doesn't have a website? You have to, to be successful. Um, <laughs> so it's just a little bit of an investment to say, let's run the business properly, let's run it clean, uh, and let's really make sure we're protected. And therefore, we also help the economy. Because, you know, if we're attacked, we could be the weakest link that could be the cause, you know, for the bigger problem that happens. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk a bit about what we've got currently taking place in Ukraine um, and and obviously uh, with, with Russia. Um, Russia has always been associated with a great deal of hacking, um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of malware and, and uh, ransomware that's entered the system. Um, but interestingly, I, this hasn't made a lot of news so far in the month or so since the invasion. Is it just because we're not noticing it or, or is maybe this, was this maybe a myth that we were, that we were gonna be really susceptible to a lot of attacks? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a combination of uh, attacks happening and not getting reported. So, uh, you know, there, there is no, for example, law today that says that you've got to report an incident within this time frame. Uh, it's really more voluntary. And so small to mid-sized businesses can contact RCMP. There's an NC3 unit. Um, they can contact local police. Uh, so, so that is an area where I think there's room for improvement. And I think eventually it's going to come. 
but um, the standard actually says you should have an incident response plan. And part of that is to contact law enforcement promptly so they can be of help. Uh, but of course, the goal is to not to get to that situation so that you know, you're having to contact law enforcement and what are they gonna do? If your data is already gone um, or ransomware is already in there, it's a little bit late. So, uh, so, so part of that is that, that there's tax happening, not getting reported, or it's taking a while for us to hear. Like recently, a medium-sized healthcare organization in Canada got attacked twice by two Russian uh, ransomware gangs within days. Um, mm. you know, and so that's a case where they didn't patch and uh, they got attacked with the ransomware. And you know, they were trying to respond to that and they got attacked again you know, within a day by another ransomware gang. So it took a while for that to become you know, public knowledge. So that's, that was as an example. But the other part though is that you will start to see retaliation now. Um, you know, Canada's not buying oil from Russia. Canada's part of the allies uh, with the economic sanctions, a whole host of measures. And so, you know, Putin is really angry and he's feeling the pain. The Russian economy is about to fall apart. Um, and so what we see is a lot of uh, chatter and a lot of activities, if you will, where uh, we can expect Putin to sponsor these gangs. So there's Conti, for example, that's a Russian-speaking gang. Sandworm, that's directly sponsored by GRU, a military of Russian government. Um, those guys are going to be tapped into by Putin because they're couple of steps away from him and they're going to come after Canadian businesses and use ransomware because with ransomware you can not only shut down the operations uh, but you can also get money and so you can say hey we want a million dollars bitcoin right now otherwise we you know you're going to be shut down for days and weeks and so that's a way for him to inflict pain but also get some money for bitcoin back into the Russian economy so unfortunately we can expect some Russian you know ransomware attacks happening uh, they're also very good at placing backdoors so, you know, unfortunately, we believe there's backdoors been placed at different organizations that they can activate at any time. That's why we just got to you know, have shields up and be very vigilant you know, right now. Yeah, a, a CEO told me recently that uh, their large operation, it's pretty large, um, they feel gets something akin to nearly a billion uh, tests of their system every day. Right. Like it's just it's just a, a flood all day long. Um, let, so let's let's conclude with talking a little bit about some of the practical measures that are available. You know, if if you're watching this and and you realize you haven't done much of anything, um, where do you start? Uh, excellent question. So I think first step would be to look at the standards. So the standards lay out prevention, detection, response controls. So for example, uh, one of the things that every really small to mid-sized enterprise or anybody should be doing is scanning. Uh, their web assets, uh, looking for vulnerabilities. And, and that's part of our solution because we automatically scan, but that's one of the controls. So that way you can see if there's a vulnerability that might have come across because website developer you know, upgraded your website, but there's some bad code um, that it, that's in there that nobody knows about unless you scan. Uh, patching is another control. So you know everything uh, that you have that requires updates uh, automatically should be patched. So you should have a policy or procedure or mechanism Whenever you get an update for a software, do it right away. Don't procrastinate. Because the longer you wait for you know, pushing out the patching, the longer a window the attacker has, like in the hospital example I just gave. Uh, that's another example. So looking at these controls. Another one is uh, you know, incident response plan I mentioned earlier. Um, so that's so you know, fundamental because it's inevitable. It's not if but when you'll have an incident. So you need to be able to know what's an incident for you, what does it look like, 
Now, what will you do if you know it looks like there's a ransomware starting to happen? Who will you get together in your company? What kind of decisions will you make? Um, how quickly will you be able to get up? You know, uh, about so that's what an incident response plan does, and you got to test that plan also. So those are some of the controls. So start with the standard, and then start to implement these controls. But some basic fundamentals have to be there. You know, like uh, multi-factor authentication. So mm-hmm. anybody um, uh, that is using anything of value, like accessing a financial database um, or having people um, that have access to a lot of data should be using beyond two factors. So instead of username, password, you know, you've got to use multi-factor. Um, and it could be either uh, an application, an app that's an authenticator where there's no code sent to you, if you will, via text, that's, that's the safest one. But even getting a one-time passcode via text, you know, is not 100% safe, but at least it's better than not using it, if you will. Um, Because then you can go to your phone, a code saying, are you really the one who's logging in? And if you're not, you would know if somebody has stolen your username and trying to, and password trying to log in. So that's a fundamental control, uh, especially for privileged users, those folks that have keys to the kingdom that one should have. Last uh, last issue. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, when we're on networks and everything, uh, you know, there's a vast amount of vulnerability that's there. But um, in terms of protecting just your own slab of pie, you know, your own data, um, do you need to take it off site? Do you need to find a way to uh, to you know throw it onto some drives, uh, move it into the cloud? Would what do you do so that if, in fact, your network is disabled, you might still have some access to, to the data that's there? Absolutely. Um, that is a key control, which is to have backups offline. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether I'm an individual user or I'm a, a business, my backups have to be offline. Because these days, ransomware is so sophisticated that it will actually hunt for backup files. So mm. if you've got a backup file on the same laptop or the same server, guess what? That also will be encrypted. Uh, it'll easily find it. So what you've got to do is you've got to take a backup you know, at a certain frequency, uh, depending on the nature of your business, could be daily or could be at least you know, every other day or at least weekly, and have it offline where it's not going to be accessible by the ransomware or the malware uh, because it can connect to it and therefore it cannot encrypt it. So that's a, a very basic, you know, control that every individual but also business should really do is have backups and have backups offline. We could go on forever. I mean, I think there's, there's, but there's some very, very good advice you've given us here today, Sai, and, and I really want to thank you for your time today uh, and uh, best wishes with the company. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Sai Huda is the CEO of CyberCatch. We've been talking about cybersecurity in this age of a lot of vulnerability. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll see you again.